I will uh, call to order the regular meeting of the Peace River Town Council for Tuesday, May the 25th, 2021. And I believe we started exactly on time. Uh, that takes us to the adoption of the agenda. And I, um, I see here that we have uh, an addition and this is a request for a letter in response to uh, a letter of support from the uh, Friends of the Shepherd Society. That's correct, right, Mr. Parker? That is correct. It's uh, under 8.8. Okay. Council so approves. Okay. Okay. Your Worship, if I may. Yes. Yeah, I don't have an addition or a del deletion to the agenda, but I have some concerns with regards to my notice of motion that I placed it was about three weeks ago. I'm curious as to why it's a, is, is it at item seven um, behind a, a new report coming from administration um, when my notice of motion was put in quite a while ago before this, uh, this uh, was basically put together. And also I just want to remind, I'm gonna quote from uh, our procedural bylaw 17 section L a notice of motion is a written submission from a member of council of a resolution. And it says to be deliberated at vote and voted on at the next regular meeting of council. So my understanding of that is my notice of motion is submitted and I have an active motion on the floor. And my other concern that I had was being that council has discussed this item a, a few okay on a few occasions. I'm wondering why it's not under old business. Um, so your worship, uh, I could add this. Uh, um, what we did is uh, if you looked at the notice of motion and the email that I had received from Councillor Ford, he said if the issue and a report was coming forward, he would remove his notice of motion. So we did have a report that came forward. And one of the options was, is what he was looking at on that report, though administration is not uh, uh, um, promoting that note, uh, the, his uh, request. And so therefore, uh, he decided not to uh, remove his notice of motion. Therefore, it's a separate item. Well, it sounds like it should be on, on under unfinished business. I think uh, Mr. Ford, uh, to be fair to Mr. Ford, he has a notice of motion. It's active. Uh, it's uh, we haven't dealt with it yet, um, and it seems a bit odd. So, so he's put his notice of motion in, uh, and presumably that would have been the first item on the uh, <clears throat> when compiling the agenda. And I, I did notice when I was going through the uh, through the agenda that so we we do a request for decision purchase of the aerial fire apparatus. The first uh, one of the options, the first option is actually Mr. Ford's motion. So it, it sort of seems you deal with item six and then uh, it makes item seven redundant. So. So we're not going to uh, add or delete. We will move uh, items seven and six to unfinished business. 
and um, what uh, we will uh, and we'll we'll put them together. Uh, seeing that really the RFD was put together to uh, for this notice notice of motion, and the uh, uh, we will accept Mr. Uh, and and generally you. The, the standard is, and we've never followed it, but the standard is to make the motion and then to have the discussion. And so that will focus the discussion. So um, we will let Mr. Ford's motion stand. We will, uh, so we'll allow, because Mr. Ford is very passionate about this issue. We'll uh, give him uh, an opportunity to state his position uh, we will then go into the discussion of the, uh, we'll have somebody from administration deal with their uh, briefing note on this matter. Um, and um, that, that'll that then be an opportunity for counselors to ask questions or make comments. And then uh, we'll uh, give uh we'll we'll have an opera then we'll uh, allow administration to make a closing argument and uh likewise mr ford will finish up with a clo closing argument so be very much like a real debate okay yeah so thank you your worship and i don't have any problem with uh with uh, administration uh presenting that uh their report at the same time so we'll deal with that uh, after uh, presentations and the bylaw, the offsite levy bylaw. If okay. I may address council, your worship. Um, I, that was myself, sir. What, yes. What, what just is just a brief note that uh, once the uh, agenda has been accepted as amended, uh, I will republish and council will be able to refresh their screens and oh. see this change reflected. Oh, okay, very good. That's very quick of you, Ms. McQuaid. Um, so we will, uh, <clears throat> although I, yeah, I don't know if it's really an amendment. I'm just, uh, I'm just taking old, old business and putting it in old business or unfinished business, but anyhow. Well, the addition is, uh, is also an amendment, sir, so. Uh, okay, very good. So that will then become 8.6, I guess. <laughs> okay, very good. So a motion to accept the agenda as uh, amended. Ms. Downing, all in favor? Very good. Um, that will take us to the adoption of minutes from the May 10th meeting. Um, uh, I think these came out very quickly. I think these came out five minutes after the meeting was finished. So, uh, so people uh, have had more than ample time to review them. Uh, are there any changes that are required? Deletions, clarifications, et cetera, et cetera. I'm hearing none, so I will... Uh, accept a motion to uh, accept the minutes of the May 10th, 2021 regular council meeting. So moved, Your Worship. Mr. Mr. Needham. 
Is is that your real background or is that just a background? Well, I'm out at the airport and I'm sitting in my office. Okay, very good. <laughs> with my with my airplane parked out on the tarmac. Yeah. We we no longer have uh, we don't we no longer have assets at the airport. I, I I've got visitor status here. Right <laughs> okay, all in favor of Mr. Needham's motion. Um, so that that has passed. Uh, are there any public hearings, Mr. Uh, Parker? Uh, there are none, Your Worship. And we will go to Ms. Sh Ms. Sherry Pierce Peterson of uh, Myers Norris Penny uh, for the 2020 annual financial report. All right, hello everyone. Just gonna shift my screen around here. Um, so as you know, we went through in, in detail at um, our, our last meeting, sort of the, the specifics of the statements. And um, I, I believe you were provided with um, updated uh, copies this morning um, um, to review. So the, the what I'm gonna go through now is really just sort of the the highlights and uh, um, as always, if there's questions or, or concerns, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to go through those. Um, so really when, when we look at the, the finance statements at, at uh, December 31st, 2020, um, and I don't think this will come as a, a surprise to too many people with COVID shutdowns and, and things like that, that the uh, Consolidated operating expenses decreased 3.7%. Uh, just sort of a reminder, when you are looking at the, the statements, it, it sometimes looks a little um, concerning on, on the expense side that uh, the operating expenses are, are $5 million over budget. Uh, so just a reminder that uh, the town does not currently budget for amortization. Uh, and so the, the uh, town's amortization expense of about $7 million, um, you know, should sort of be added back to, to that uh, number. So in the end, we, we have um, 1.7 um, in, in expenses actually below budget. Um, the majority of this in uh, the contracted and, and general services, which was probably about half of that uh, value uh, just in, in that category. Um, and a lot of that happened in, in the protective services uh, department. Um, and a lot of the other ones were in um, recreation and culture, um, because again, they, they would have had been one of the, the hardest hit with, with closures and, and things like that. Um, the capital expenses, um, again, you know, with, with construction being down and, and things like that, and, and also um, coming down from a couple of big years with the arena project. Uh, so capital expenditures were down um, $7 million from uh, the, the previous year, um, but they still totaled um, about $8 million, including work in, in progress. Uh, the consolidated fund balances, so when you see the financial statements, that's the accumulated surplus, um, decreased $2.4 million, uh, but of that, about $2.2 million is a uh, prior period adjustment. When I had spoke to you last time, I had mentioned we were looking into 
uh, some of the, the grants receivable. Um, and it, we, we determined that um, there had been a, a double up in that. There had been a grant receivable set up, but um, there, the part of the project had been funded through debentures, um, but the receivable hadn't been uh, reversed. So we, we corrected uh, that. So that is the prior period of adjustment. Um, the cash position of the town uh, did increase by about one and a half uh, million dollars. So um, again, with, with closures and things like that, that's uh, good movement. Um, having said that, some of that would have been uh, from new long-term debt that was taken, um, just shy of about four and a half million dollars. Um, but um, there, there were no amounts outstanding on the line of credit. At, at, at the end of the year. Um, and then I think looking through the minutes since your end, there's been another about 900,000 in, in debentures for, for smaller projects. Um, as we had uh, discussed before, the uh, reserves are uh, unfunded. So when we take the cash less, the deferred revenue and compare that to, to the reserve balance, um, they, they are unfunded. Um, and also the uh, liquidity position decreased by 3.3 million. Now some of that um, difference is going to be due to that um, prior period adjustment because we did re reduce the, the receivables. Um, the reserves, you know, some in and outs there, but really not a lot of change. They, they only increased by a little over um, 100,000. Um, with the, the new debt, um, it's, it's up to the total debt limit used is up to uh, about two thirds of, of the maximum amount. Um, and the increase uh, in the percentage of debt servicing limit um, is up to 39%. So the total debt limit is the amount of total debt you're allowed to have outstanding. And the debt servicing limit is um, the amount of uh, principal plus interest payments in the next year. Um, that you're able to have. And, and there's calculations from uh, the MGA based on that. Um, so again, you know, because we're, we're at the, the 66%, it does, um, you know, reduce your borrowing capacity um, available in the future. Um, and so we've moved from uh, total debenture debt of uh, $20 million to uh, $23 million. Uh, when we factor in the, the payments that were made on existing debt. Um, so, I mean, overall, I, I think the, the challenges kind of into the future is, is uh, you know, in, improving the, the liquidity, uh, improving the, the funding of reserves, and, uh, you know, the funding for your capital projects, not, not only in, in the short term, but, but in your 10-year your uh, capital plan uh, projects. Um, so that's sort of the, the really high end. Uh, are there any um, questions, anything more specific people would like? To... Speak up, please. <laughs> Mr. Scamhorn, you got your hand up. Does that mean anything? <laughs> no. Uh, Mr. Good. It's more to to understand something like I, I wouldn't mind an explanation of what <clears throat> what an unfunded reserve is. Sure. 
so in in theory when you set up a reserve you are putting money away for something in the future you say i have extra cash now we're going to put that money away into a reserve um so there should be cash in bank for that um but it isn't just as easy to say okay here's what our cash balances are and compare that to the reserve number because of uh, grants that are sometimes paid in advance. So they sit as deferred revenue. So that money comes in, it's sitting in your bank account, but hasn't actually been spent on projects yet. So because that money is restricted in purpose, you have to back that of your, out of your cash balance first, and then you can compare that number to, to your reserves. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Ms. Manzer. Um, uh, so Ms. Peterson, um, the, um, so the town's general position, are we any different than most other towns in Alberta? Or are we below, well, average is average, I guess. Well, we're prettier. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> I, was, I was complimenting everybody last meeting on their lovely uh, valley pictures of their background. Um, yes, and, and you know, every situation is a little bit different and so, you know, when, when you compare to um, towns of, of similar size, it, again, it kind of depends on what's happening in that area. One of the, the ones that I, I tend to bring up is um, Cold Lake, you know, when they were booming, um, Fort McMurray, things like that. Some of, some of the um, suburbs of Edmonton and Calgary, um, where they... Um, are having to spend a lot of money on infrastructure because there's a lot of people building, a lot of businesses going up and, and things like that. And so it's not unusual for them to be fairly high in debt because they have to borrow that money to put in the infrastructure, to bring in the people, to get the property tax revenue, you know, and, and the other types of revenue. So it's, it's not unusual for that. Um, I'm seeing a lot of municipalities kind of, especially in, in Northern Alberta and in, in our area where um, the uh, infrastructure costs, uh, you know, we were all kind of built around 40, 50 years ago and, and the infrastructure for, you know, the, the water systems and the road systems are starting to hit the end of their useful life and so you're seeing a lot more repairs and, and things like that. So again, we're seeing a lot more debt for having to replace water treatment plants and sewer systems and, and all of those kinds of things. Um, you know, the, the different, different kinds of, of projects and, and different situations are, are going to vary. So, you know, again, it's, it's a little bit hard to compare uh, apples to apples in, in those kinds of situations. Um, and, and again, I mean, even, even with saying that uh, you're at, you know, 66% of, of your debt limit, you still have almost $11 million um, of, of debt limit left, you know, before you hit the absolute top. Um, but having said that, that can go, you know, fairly, fairly quickly. So um, th that, that is sort of the, the concern. And I think, you know, with the grant funding levels that we're, we're seeing right now, you know, it's not just a guarantee that 
the federal and provincial money will be there to fund those projects. And, and so, you know, it's, I think it's a bit more of a, of a challenge to determine how, how your capital in, in the long run is going to be funded. Thank you. Yeah, that was a very interesting, uh, very, very interesting and detailed answer. Um, I do have a question though, Ms. Ms. Peterson, when you talked about the debt, are you lobbying for a second ice service? Is... <laughs> <laughs> I think Mr. Needham had a question. Just, uh, uh, Sherry, when you uh, did your introductory comments, uh, you, uh, two point, pardon me, the two points were the, around the, uh, the, un, the description of the unfunded reserve. So again, thanks for that. The other word you used was liquidity. Uh, I, I know when the mayor opens up his wallet, when the moths come out, there's usually some cash there, but there's also some credit cards. So uh, are you saying that the town has got very little cash and lots on credit cards, or that's my attempt at humor, uh, <laughs> but perhaps you could step back and just talk a little bit more around liquidity, or maybe you covered some of that in your previous answer, but uh, could you just fill in on the edges as to what, what did you mean by that? Absolutely. So based on, on what we have on, on the statements right now for assets, you know, including cash and, you know, receivables and your grants and all that kind of stuff, we're sitting right around the $20 million mark. Um, now, total liabilities, so that is, you know, your payables and, and debt and everything, is at 39. So, so we're off by about, you know, 19 million. Now, having said that, you know, 23 million of that is long-term debt. So, you know, you're not going to have to be paying that out. So, you know, you're, if, if everything absolutely came due today other than your long-term debt um and you could guarantee that you could collect all of your receivables and, and everything today you'd be fine um but you know I, I think there's the um you know need, needing to to review the receivables and and the, the grant money will, will come in, but it won't be immediate. And, and, but, you know, neither are your payables going to be due immediately either. So, you know, is there an immediate danger? No. Would I like to see, you know, a net asset position so that even your, your long-term debt was covered? That would be ideal, but it's not, certainly not a necessity. Is there, would you, uh, if I may, your worship, uh, you mentioned receivables in this description. Is there, uh, would you make a recommendation on our receivables that we should be doing more in terms of collecting what some of those debts are or do you, do you go down that road? Sure, so I mean, the, the thing with your, your taxes is to a certain extent, they're, they're almost guaranteed collectible. I mean, if someone doesn't pay their taxes for the three-year period, you can put their property up for tax sale and and you know collect those taxes. Um, and with you know the town being urban, you're more fortunate than your uh, you know rural friends who um, you know we've seen in the last couple of years have had to write off 
you know, millions of dollars in, in um, property tax receivables from um, companies having to go bankrupt, largely oil and gas. Um, you know, so, so your um, taxes receivable, you know, are, are likely good. Um, your, your grants, you know, again, assuming all the paperwork is in and gets approved and everything, you know, that for the, the most part is good. Um, it's, it's sort of the, the little ones that can kind of, you know, catch up with you. The, the trade and other receivables are, um, you know, $4 million. Um, and, you know, there, there's likely some uncollectible amounts in there. And then there is, you know, some allowances set up for that. But I think that's probably your most at-risk area is, is some of those other kinds of receivables. Thanks. Okay. Uh, Mr. Good, you had your hand up. Yeah, I would. I mean, it's the yearly, the yearly comment for me regarding budgets and uh, financial statements. And that's that while we talk about, you know, the municipality like ours, or I would say the majority of urban municipalities in Alberta cannot raise enough money from tax from property taxes and fees to run their full budget um, would that be an accurate statement miss peterson or greg towner our corporate director of corporate financial services either one can answer from my perspective i would say that's certainly becoming more common um, and i think that's why you're seeing a lot more especially of the small ones um, but we're seeing a lot more discussion around uh, merging municipalities and becoming, you know, like Wood Buffalo or, or things like that um, for, for that. Um, and yeah, the, the, the grant money is, is really the, the hard one. Um, and again, that can turn on a dime depending on government in power at, at any point. So. Grant money is usually dependent on political whim, et cetera, and um, politics and the whole nine yards that goes along with it. And um, I mean, the basic statement I'm trying to make here, and if somebody corrects me, that's fine too. Um, municipalities like ours do not generate enough money internally to be sustainable. Um, something else has to occur at some point to make to make the to have the municipality be sustainable. It's not that the region, I believe, or a lot of regions in Alberta are not sustainable. The regions generate a fair amount of tax revenue. Even now with some of the write-offs, it's not like um, some municipalities, I'm not gonna go into details, but a lot of them are not, how would you put it, broke. Um, some of them are starting off going into this situation in a position of relative largesse, if you wanna use the term. Um, I just want to point out that that I think those things are realities, and I think unless the unless the provincial government steps up in a way to um, come come forth with some procedures or policies or uh, methodologies of addressing some of those concerns, there are going to be more municipalities in the same same and similar situation that we are. As and as you mentioned, a lot of other municipalities are exploring other options and. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. I just that one, the situation, if it continues as it is, is untenable. So there has to be some consideration to where do we want the province to be in 10 or 15 years and how do we want to see the revenues of this province allocated to the municipalities that are necessary for this province to go forward. I'll leave it at that. Although, uh, while, while there has been talk of mergers and even votes on mergers, the uh, mergers are usually, uh, the votes are usually not to merge. So, <laughs> so I, well, I'll put it this way. If people want to fight for their own poverty, that's fine. But that's a little bit of a jab. Okay. Um, um, any further questions of Ms. Peterson? Do you uh, concur with uh, Ms. Peterson? Um, uh, this is for our controller. Mr. Towns, do you concur with the financial statements? And is your recommendation that we, uh, you're looking for an approval, are you? No, you're not looking for anything because- That comes, I think, a little later. Mr. The, the approval is later in the meeting, Your Worship. Okay. And that will be your recommendation? Yes, so our position is that the statements are fairly presented, uh, reasonably so, and show the financial um, position of the town at the end of the year. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we will move from presentations to bylaws. So, uh, Ms. Modi, I'm assuming that you're uh, managing this one. Good evening, Your Worship. Yes, I am here to speak on the offsite levy bylaw number 2099, which is being okay. presented to Council for first reading. Yeah. Uh, the offsite levy bylaw is needs to be updated every two years to ensure that our rates are based on up-to-date assumptions, right. which is a practice that is consistent with the current bylaw number 2044 and also with the offsite levy regulations, uh, which are attached to the Municipal Government Act. Uh, bylaw 2099 establishes new rates, so the Schedule B of the bylaw has been updated based on the updated offsite levy model that uh, the town has been working on. That's with inputs from engineering and planning and, uh, and finance. So together, those have come together to an updated model um, and the rates are presented in Schedule B. Those rates are based on a model that's up to date to the end of 2020. In addition to updating the model, we've also made a couple of key substantive changes to the bylaw itself. Uh, specifically, I think that the biggest change to the bylaw is that we have updated the definition of the subdivision area um, and how it relates to roads. Specifically, when a subdivision happens, uh, whether or not we are taking offsite levy, so whether the developer has to pay an offsite levy on the land that is being also turned over to the town as road. And right now, uh, except for a road that would be classified as arterial, the answer would be yes today under our current bylaw. And with the change to the bylaw, we would not be taking an offsite levy on land that is also being turned over to the town for road. So ultimately that lowers the financial bar um, to the developer when we are dealing with offsite levies and a subdivision. So that's one of the key substantial changes. The other substantial change to the bylaw is simply that we are removing what is currently section 10C of the bylaw, 
which means we are not adjusting offsite levy rates during non-review years. So right now the bylaw says that in not a non-review year, which is not a year like this year, because this year we are actually reviewing our levy rates. Um, in those non-review years, we would be adjusting the rates. Um, that is only every other year and the, the adjustments are minimal. And given the, the rate of development within the town, it's an administrative exercise that um, just is not necessary for the town. So we've removed it to make it more reflective of our administrative practices. Um, also attached for council's information is the offsite levy policy. Uh, there are no major changes to the offsite levy policy and we will bring it forward again to council when we've updated the bylaw or when we're asking for second and third reading of the offsite levy bylaw. Uh, but we have made some administrative changes to the policy to correct typos and to just update it to make it reflect the most current version of the bylaw. So it is presented for your information. So in terms of next steps, uh, we are asking for first reading of the offsite levy bylaw 2099 this evening. And after that, we will be proceeding with the consultation requirements that are established under, under the Municipal Government Act. Specifically, we are planning for an open house in June and, and we'll be notifying developers specifically as well as making public announcements so that anybody who would like more information about the update can find it. And after we have had that open house, then we will be bringing forward the bylaw again uh, to council for second and third reading. So before council tonight, uh, you have the option to provide first reading to the bylaw which allows us to consult as required through the MGA. Um, or you can defer the bylaw to a subsequent meeting or decline to provide first reading to bylaw 2099, which would mean that the bylaw rates are maintained uh, at the previous model level, which could be considered uh, out of date and will become further so in the future. If you have any questions, I can take them now. Ms. Manzer. Um, two questions. So uh, looking at the Schedule B on page 19, so the lowest offsite levy is around 35,300 something, and the highest is 54,758. Um, 54, um, I'm losing it here. So that's per hectare, and a hectare is about 2.5 acres, is that right? Sounds about right. My conversion okay. on that is never perfect. Yeah, yeah, and you said the average is someplace around 40-ish, uh, give or take. Yes, I believe we've got on the last page of uh, Schedule D of the bylaw, which is the model itself, mm -hmm. uh, that includes the language specific to last this time versus uh, the last time. So we've the, got- The weighted average this year is just over $37,000. Okay. Two years ago it was just under 41,000. So mm -hmm. the rate is actually going down approximately 8%. Yes. Um, and that is due to you know, expected uh, volume of capital work, um, allocation between new development versus existing development. And um, the rates for different areas are, are dependent on uh, work done that benefits um, the areas in question. Thank you. I thought I'd read someplace that it had gone down a wee bit. Um, 8% is rather significant if you're the developer, I guess. Um, my other question, not so much the rates, but someplace in these charts, it refers to neighborhood improvement program. And it has a value beside that of, 
I lost the thing now again. My apologies. Um, the, the, it was the Neighborhood Improvement uh, Program 2023 to 2025. The, re, the way I'm kind of interpreting this is that's 1.6 million, but the Neighborhood Improvement Program, I guess uh, for the next 25 years, is, is that what I should interpret this as being the 14,350,000? That's correct. What we've done is we've We've split the projects to our five-year capital plan, years one to five, and then anything outside that capital plan, so years six to 25. Since we have a high degree of certainty where the neighborhood renewal projects will happen within the next five years, um, we're able to, uh, we, we have split those out. We do show them being, uh, or benefiting specific, uh, uh, benefiting areas as described within the bylaw. Anything outside of that, so years six to 25 is, it's uncertain. We're not positive at this point. We are um, unable to put a commitment in writing. So we're just showing the town as the benefiting area for that uh, renewal without um, knowing where, where it's actually going to go. So neighborhood renewal program is actually split up or shown three different times on, mm. on the charts and that's to allocate them to specific benefiting areas. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Scamahorn had his hand up first. Sorry, just had to unmute there. Um, prior to the average being $41,000 there, does anyone have off the top of their head what it was before that? It was approximately 85000 Okay, so 8%. Um, this last adjustment plus... Um, well, over fifty percent. So, so you could say that 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 these 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 rates have gone down quite significantly since uh, prior to this term. Yes, um, the big change was two years ago. The way that we constructed the modeling was significantly different, um, and then the way that we did it this time, um, and this is, you know, apropos to the um, financial statement discussion. You know, it was our position that capital spending in the future. Uh, might be a bit more constrained than what we're doing now. For example, we're not doing a large multiplex. Um, you know, there's probably some big water and sewer projects coming up, but um, we are concerned that federal and provincial funding uh, will be limited, especially in the next five or 10 years as both the province and the feds uh, deal with their budget shortfalls, um, you know, partly pandemic related, partly other. Mm -hmm. um, so we also had to somewhatedly or it was reasonable to project that we our capital program would be constrained in the in the near and uh, medium term all right thank you sir so i'm gonna just ask a, a, a question here so you you've reduced it by eight percent compared to last year but we we do expect capital uh, capital construction costs like dollars per lineal foot of pipe, uh, road, that sort of thing to increase, do we not? Yes, and there are inflation values worked into the, uh, the model. Okay. So the amounts are not static, they are inflated over time. Okay. Mr. Needham, I think you had your hand up next, actually. Uh, thank you, George. Yeah, I like, thank you, George. Yes, I 
there has been a significant drop in offsite levies. There's no question about it. Uh, I guess to pick up around the first reading idea and the uh, public open house that's planned in June, it's, it makes a whole bunch of sense uh, to do that. And I'm certainly in favor of that. I, I guess the only, not necessarily caution, but um, from my perspective, there are at least two or three major uh, developers who own property in town who who simply don't live in Peace River. Uh, so you have a workshop in June and they're, they're, they're not gonna drive from Grand Prairie, they're not gonna drive from Edmonton, they're not gonna drive from whatever. So I, I guess my comment is, uh, do, we obviously know who those landowners are. So as a sort of a marketing, putting on your economic development hat, uh, it, would there be any emphasis to send this information out to those people? Because I, I mean, it's a great item for the Chamber of Commerce but I don't know anybody in the Chamber of Commerce that owns two hectares of land in Peace River, but I know a couple of three people that own land that don't live in Peace River, and I doubt if they're part of the Chamber of Commerce. So a couple of things. One, it's a chamber item, sure, but I guess I'm worried about extending the conversation or the invite. Uh, and, I can probably, and I can probably speak to Lowlet, Councillor Needham. So uh, for the open house, you know, as with our neighborhood open houses and our recent open houses on projects, I fully anticipate that this open house is still going to be a virtual one, which provides us some benefit and opportunity to reach out to those developers that are out of town. That's an excellent point. I'm uh, great. I, I hope to do that because uh, that's... Uh, that, that's that's where the, uh, the potential obviously is. I could just add also the regulations that are associated with the offsite levies. They don't just require public consultation, but they specifically speak to requiring consultation with the development community. So it's not just a broadcast that we're having an open house to the residents of the town of Peace server, but specifically to some of those targeted uh, landowners as well. So they will be getting a letter specifically as they have in the past. All right, thank that. Uh, that's uh, that's good to hear. Thanks, uh, Ms. Downing. Thank you, Your Worship. Uh, I think that we've definitely zeroed in on the costs of the offsite levies, um, but I think, to my understanding, it was more than that. We've reduced the costs. It's just that we have rewritten the policy and and the bylaw to reflect uh, uh, more productive way for land development to occur in the town of Peace River. We might even say that the previous offsite levy bylaw hindered um, some of that development. Uh, that is my take on the situation. Um, I appreciate that Alicia has explained the road cost of developing a road. I'm not going to lie until you said it. I've read it a number of times and was still a little confused. So thank you very much for that. But my question actually circles around what was the feedback we received, if any, when we published this two years ago? I don't recall that there was a lot. There wasn't a lot. Um, I, I think generally speaking, two years ago, when the rates dropped significantly, it was a uh, good <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. the feedback was good. It's about time that happened. Um, right. Did you, we did hear from a couple of landowners uh, that uh, 
did express a, a lot of uh, satisfaction for the rates going in the right direction. So in terms of, uh, you know, just the way the rates kind of turned out, I, I'd like to think that, you know, each time we go through this process between myself, uh, Alicia and Director Town, you know, we get better and better at doing this model and refining it and making it more and more accurate. So Thank you, Mr. McQuig. That, that was really where I was circling to was, yep. was there anything that was addressed the last time that we've now had a chance to reflect upon? So thank you, that's where I was headed. Appreciate that. Okay, um, I will take a motion to, for first reading. Ms. Manzer, all in favor of first reading on bylaw 2099. Okay, there's no contrary votes, so that bylaw, so first reading is passed and we will go through the required consultation and, uh, and advertising. So um, uh, what, I, what I did at the beginning here is under unfinished business, I moved uh, the uh, notice of motion and the purchase of the aerial fire apparatus uh, uh, to this particular point. Um, so we will consider the notice of motion to be the motion on the table. And uh, I will have Mr. Ford speak to um, why why we should support this his motion and then we will uh, give administration an opportunity to uh, to uh, get into the nuances of purchasing an aerial fire apparatus and then we'll uh, open it up to questions uh, perhaps a uh, a chance at closing arguments and then a uh, uh, we'll do a vote on that notice of motion. If that notice of motion fails, we'll uh, uh, we'll we'll uh, obviously allow for another uh, another motion to be made. Okay. Um, so, Mr. Ford, please, uh, why 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 should we support your motion to direct administration to purchase the Quint aerial apparatus for the Peace River Fire Department? as recommended in the apparatus study completed by the town of East River. Hey, thank you, Your Worship. Um, I, I actually was just about to read my notice of motion, but I see you've already done that for me. Um, so just a quick comment first, I'd like to uh, uh, comment about uh, Mr. Parker's uh, uh, comment earlier in regards to my email that went out with the notice of motion, um, speaking to me possibly rescinding it. So Mr. Parker did uh, show me the report uh, prior to it being published to ask my opinion on it. Um, I did tell him that I did have uh, lots of issues with it. And one of the reasons why I did not rescind my motion is I was expecting a request for decision come forward um, from administration that supported the recommendations from the report, as well as uh, supported the uh, the presentations we've had in the past from the fire department, as well as the discussion that we've uh, had around this table in the past. Um, the other thing, and uh, I was in conversations with Mr. Parker on Wednesday, and, and uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Parker, but one thing that really, really uh, 
piqued my interest was you had mentioned to me that uh, Chief Harris possibly have found uh, a slightly used unit. Um, I do believe you mentioned it was from the city of Red Deer. So that's really piquing my interest, but it doesn't. Oh, actually, it was a uh, city of Lethbridge. Lethbridge. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. Um, so it really, that really piqued my interest and I don't have the information on that truck. So I, I'm also not prepared to rescind my motion. So my first question uh, would be to, to Chief Harris, please tell us about this apparatus you found. Well, that was um, just an example because I was looking for um, potential uh, used trucks or lease back trucks that have been out on lease um, from the dealership, from the manufacturer, where they would know the history of the truck uh, before, you know, they would have a good knowledge of it before we would take on anything like that. Um, just, I, I was going to use that as an example. It's, uh, it's, it's a truck, it's actually a tandem axle ladder truck with a mid-mount aerial apparatus. Um, the, the advantage of that truck is that it's not as high as uh, the single axle uh, one we were looking at. Um, it is uh, longer in the truck itself from, from truck end to truck end. Um, but the cost of that, because it's uh, it's a more advanced truck, um, it's it's a lot more dollars. So a brand new that truck would be about one point nine million. And they said if it did come back from lease and there's no guarantee, it's uh, left which has the first option to buy that truck, um, and that would wouldn't be due until September. Um, but if there was the option to buy that truck, it was potentially be about one point three eight million. So that so it, would, it would fit our needs. It would be a tandem axle, which uh, wasn't recommended in the in the assessment report from from TCI, um, TSI. So um, that was just kind of as an example. Okay. So basically, from my understanding, then on this truck that you found, um, it does not meet the recommendations from from the assessment report because it's too heavy. Doesn't have the uh, the turning radius, so it might not be able to operate in some of those those bubble-ended streets that we have. And this, if I remember correctly from the report, this is the type of truck that could possibly tear up our roads. So, but you had mentioned uh, the cost of this truck. So you said 1.39. So that cost would be pretty much the same as the unit that... Uh, that my notice of motion supports. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, correct. Okay, thank but, you. But we also found uh, one that's for 860,000, that's four years old, that's uh, coming up. And that actually meets all the requirements except for it doesn't have a platform, but it is a ladder, it is a quint. Um, so, uh, and that one is, uh, like I said, $860,000. Okay, also just digging into, uh, into the report here a little, a little bit, because I know we did uh, have a lot of discussion around about this around the council table. And uh, with the re recommendation coming out of this report, it talks about getting pricing on a frontline engine with no ladder, 75 foot ladder, 75 foot ladder with a platform, 100 foot ladder, and then 100 foot ladder with a platform. And I know just from the consensus, and, and I'm just speaking on behalf of myself here, because we spoke about this around the table. And uh, my recollection was that uh, council wanted to replace 708 
or the current pumper with uh, with some sort of aerial apparatus. But the arguments in the report, as well as coming from the fire department, is a 75 foot ladder is just too short. That would like be like me wanting to put Christmas lights up on the peak of my on my garage, and I go by a two foot step ladder. I just can't reach. Also, um, I had a great chat with the uh, counselor. If, if you take a look, at it, it doesn't actually say that. Uh, it actually says, if take a look at it, 75. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's just I'm correcting some information of what you said there, council report. So anyway, I had a uh, I had a great conversation with Councillor Downing about I think it was two and a half, maybe three weeks ago. Um, in regards to this specific unit and uh, one of the concerns 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 she asked me was would this truck fit in current hall one and so that's one of the another one of the questions i have for chief harris but we kind of pounded around the idea of well where would this if it didn't fit where would this where could this truck be housed and uh, we have hall four and then councillor downing had the idea well if a if a door is too much money to uh, to renovate, maybe putting down a little bit of asphalt would uh, would help with Hall Four. But we also have the uh, um, the public workshop, which is not ideal, but could house it, house the unit. So my other question then to Chief Harris would be: If this is a custom built chassis, single axle, can that truck be custom built to fit in Hall One as it is? Well, the, the truck that we're looking at, the single axle 100-foot platform, you cannot custom build the truck to fit in the hole, but it is, it is not, it's fairly simple to customize the hole to fit the, to fit the truck. Um, the, the cost to extend the height of the doors um, would be in the sort of 20,000, 20 to 25,000. That could be done within the budget, the 1.4 million budget from the 2020 capital, um, which would include the truck and the uh, alterations to the hall. So the alterations to the door, so what you're telling me, the 1.4 million is all in? Yes. Okay. Um, the other thing that I just like to point out before I turn the, turn the floor back over to, uh, to uh, his worship is, I see in the report um, that the recommendation is for option two um, in regards to going and looking at other apparatus. I know, like I had mentioned before, um, this council had already discussed that. We don't have a decision in motion, but we do have kind of a consensus around the table. But the big different, the big diff disadvantage to this, and it says right in the report that this does not meet the assessed needs of the community for fire protection in Peace River. So I'll just leave, uh, I'll leave it at that. And uh, thank you, Your Worship. Okay, um, who on, on administration's behalf is going to discuss their uh, briefing note on the purchase of aerial fire apparatus and uh, give us some new, more nuance around this uh, particular topic? Well, Your Worship, uh, maybe I'll just speak on this one right here. So as, as you have before it, uh, Councillor, um, sorry, the Chief did uh, uh, put together this uh, report. Uh, Director Town was going to present it. Um, our big issue is uh, with the administration is 
what we're recommending is we want some flexibility. And the, the issue is, is even though that assessment that was done by TSI, it was a recommended um, assessment. And if you go through the report, like for example, on page eight, page eight, it does talk about 75 feet to 100 feet. Uh, it doesn't say that we absolutely needed 100 feet. It just says there that what happens, it gives you some extra flexibility. That's what it does. So what we were looking at and with council, especially after we've been uh, dealing with our financial situation here, we're saying, what is the best bang for the buck that we can get? So if we say we're only gonna go for a brand new one, a hundred foot um, uh, apparatus with a platform, and we're gonna spend 1.4 million. And if uh, the um, vendors know that you're gonna spend 1.4 million, you're going to get a 1.4 million truck. However, if you're saying, look, we're looking at a bunch of variety of options here. Um, and uh, then what happens here is it gives us the flexibility to come back with council with a variety of options. And also uh, most of them will meet that. And what it is, it's, it's you say needs and wants. Um, needs is a little strong. We could still do the job with all the um, uh, components that we are, we're proposing. Um, but what happens is sometimes um, you could do different things and you have to look at the risk factors, right? So, um, and that also is in the report with um, uh, the recommendations. They talk about risk factors. And, and uh, so at the end of the day, uh, we do want the flexibility um, we don't want to be just limited to just the one uh, apparatus only. And that's, that's why we did that recommendation. And, you know, even though we put the recommendation that, we, you know, the next council can deal with this, we're not saying that. Um, uh, we hope the council doesn't do it and put it off to the next uh, um, uh, council. But um, I could see why they would do that, especially since it's such a huge purchase. And... Um, you want to make sure that you're getting your best bang for your buck, I guess. Um, so um, is that the... I'll give you an example. Sorry, Your Worship. The, the one apparatus that we found, that's 100 feet. It is a single axle. Um, it is four years old. The big difference is, is literally $600,000. The only thing it does not have is a platform, but it is a ladder. Uh, it does hold, uh, it, 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 it's a pumper. It holds, uh, 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 it has a water tank. Uh, it's got the fire hose. And of course, um, uh, it's an aerial. So that's Quint. It meets all those requirements, but it just doesn't have a platform in the front. So at the end of the day, you, you look at that and you say, okay, especially with our financial situation, do you want to spend for a brand new one, another $600,000? And you really have to, we have to give council the options right there. And if they want to come back and they say, yep, we want to spend the, you know, the full 1.4, that's fine. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll get you one of those trucks right away. But I think council does need the options. And also, if you remember when we started this whole process, uh, literally uh, in January, we brought forth a uh, fire apparatus of 800,000 and our financial situation was slightly different then and uh, then it went from 800,000 to 1.4. Uh, I wasn't at that meeting. Uh, that was in February. Uh, so. Okay. Um, we 
I, I don't know so much, Mr. Parker, whether you actually went through the, uh, the briefing note as you tried to put together a rebuttal on, on Mr. Ford's comments. Um, but uh, I'm assuming that uh, councillors have read the, uh, read the briefing note and what we'll do now is open it up to questions. So, uh, um, well, Mr. Scamhorn had a question um, uh, originally. I don't know if it was answered or, uh, or whether he's forgot what the question was. <laughs> I, I, I do remember, thank you, sir. Um, you, just that 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 uh, that plat that uh, used apparatus that you had mentioned that's four years old um, seems like a good price, fairly good you know cost ratio or whatever for uh, the amount that you'll pay for it versus the length of time you'll have it kind of idea. Um, is there a possibility that these things can get retrofitted for uh, like say can a platform be put on there or is that apparatus specific okay i see chief shaking his head so i think i've got my answer um just curious yeah, the, the, the stress factors and wherever yep. the platform are built into the design of the truck and the ladder so um which does make the, the platform a safer version in that uh, there's additional factors for safety built into that as well as operationally it's uh, much more uh okay. useful fair enough thank you sir so we're already focusing in on the options. So, um, um, I yeah, I have a, a question regarding regarding aerials and its um, aerial platforms. It's probably a little more generic, but you know, I um, I've, I've been here for uh, uh, on council for roughly ten years or so, um, and I've noticed that the demographic of your volunteer fire department has changed. It uh, does seem to uh, um, does seem to have um, um, to, well to me uh, it seems that if you had a just a ladder truck, you're really relying on one individual uh, going up and down that ladder. Um, they need to be quite strong uh, to haul hose up there, that sort of thing. So I'm, uh, would I be correct in assuming that the reason why you'd want an aerial platform is that um, uh, you wouldn't have to rely on one person running up and down a ladder. You, you'd basically have a team on a platform and uh, the reason why I bring that up is I think your fire department has become more uh, diverse and inclusive and, um, and it's also aged. So, uh, and I know a number of, of, uh, of your fire department people because they're peers of mine. And I would say that once we hit 50, our uh, strength and stamina uh, um, um, vitiates. And, uh, and I noticed that a lot of your new recruits um, probably don't uh, have the same body strength as, uh, as individuals, as volunteers that you used to get in the past. 
So is so that would to me necessitate the need for an aerial platform to make this effective. Uh, you're right, Your Worship. Um, so the, the ability with a platform is that uh, you can basically, it comes off the truck, you can set it on the ground, firefighters can get into the bucket, and then you can move the ladder with the bucket up to the building. Um, with a with a, just a straight ladder, you basically have to put the ladder up to the building and then, as you say, climb up the ladder. With that, with just the ladder option, anybody that's being rescued then has to come down that ladder. If they're unconscious, then they have to be, you know, kind of lowered down by a firefighter um, on that ladder, which does, you know, take a lot of strength and a lot of time. Um, with a platform, you can put them in the in the bucket. You could even have one or two people, and then you can move the bucket down. Um, the other thing with the bucket is when you put it up, there, the controls for the bucket or the movement of the ladder and the bucket can either be done at the base of the ladder on the truck or in the bucket itself. So when you get close to the building, the fine control of where you're gonna position it and going from say window to window can be controlled from the operator in the bucket. Whereas the ladder truck can only be controlled from the ground. So they have to basically look and, and, and be able to see the end of the ladder. And you do need a much more experienced controller to operate um, the ladder in that fashion. Yeah, okay, so um, you, you get more flexibility with a, uh, an aerial apparatus, uh, if I uh, understood you correctly, and- uh, with, a, with a platform, yeah. With a platform, and also uh, you do have a volunteer fire department, uh, but you were saying with a ladder, you uh, need more, ex you need, you need uh, your operators, in this case, your fire people to, to be more, uh, to be ex quite experienced in running a ladder truck. Did I capture that correctly? Yeah, just, for, just for the ladder. Oh, okay, just for the ladder, yeah. As opposed to the bucket. I've got that correct. So, um, um, and uh, I'm just gonna uh, get a, another supplemental here in here. Um, so, Mr. Harris, we started talking about uh, ladder trucks, or certainly the fire department started talking about ladder trucks, uh, partly because um, there was a uh, a near miss incident, uh, is my is my recollection, where you had a couple of firefighters fall through on a, on a roof, on a warehouse, or I may have got the details wrong, but uh, I think that uh, that really, um, that safety incident really prompted uh, thinking in terms of a ladder truck. I don't know if we had at that time started talking about aerial apparatuses, but per perhaps you could, uh, uh, discuss that safety incident, um, and, and we'll go from there. I believe, uh, Your Worship, you're referring to, uh, there was an incident um, quite a few years ago, yes, when two firefighters were um, on the roof of the, it was at that time, the DHL building up in the West Hill Industrial Area, just across from our training yard. Um, there was a tin roof, there was a fire in one end. Um, we were attempting to get on the roof and do what we call a trench cut, where you cut a 
a slit in the roof ahead of the fire and so you can get ahead of the fire and try and um, you know, attack the fire from that end, stop it spreading and taking out the whole building. Um, we did have two firefighters that did actually slide off that roof with equipment um, and land on the ground. And one firefighter broke his back and the other firefighter broke their, their arm. And another firefighter that was actually still on the ladder at the edge of the building um, suffered an injury as well. Um, so working aloft, working on, on, on roofs is, is by nature extremely uh, dangerous. Um, you know, the advantage with an aerial apparatus is you can put that up there and firefighters can work off that ladder or if they do need to step off the ladder or off the bucket, they can be um, tied into that you know, with, a, with a safety harness. So if they were to slip, they wouldn't fall off the ladder itself. So. Um, but as an incident, uh, recently out of fire, we did have someone injure themselves on a roof. Um, they did slip on, they were up on the roof of the, uh, the GM dealership building when we had a fire there, they did slip. Um, and though in that case, they were able to slowly get themselves down the ladder, but if they were incapacitated to the point where they couldn't climb down the ladder again, then uh, having an aerial apparatus with a bucket would enable us to get them off the roof um, safely and efficiently. Well, thanks for bringing that up, Mr. Harrison. Uh, I, I thought it'd be valuable just to go over that. Um, certainly, um, the number one of the number one priorities, and um, I don't know if this this is reflected in municipalities, uh, but certainly uh, when it comes to industrial facilities, uh, safety is is number one. Um, and uh, more so every year um, from a WCP point of view uh, and, and just in general safety. And, and I do recollect uh, when Shell was talking about their uh, opening up their, uh, uh, their heavy oil facility and, and expanding it. Uh, one of the things that uh, was um, uh, mentioned was that in their worldwide operations, Canadians as a general whole, as a, uh, on ge in general, tend to be uh, uh, risk intolerant. Uh, and basically, I think what they meant by that was uh, Canadians have a, uh, a can-do attitude, but at the same time, uh, that leads to uh, to a lot more uh, safety incidences, uh, and some of them from near misses to to deaths. So uh, I think that we uh, we we need to uh, keep that in mind when we uh, we're looking for a piece of equipment. So Ms. Manzer has had her hand up for a while. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, several questions come to mind here. Uh, first of all, on page eight of the report. Um, what are below grade situations that this uh, uh, apparatus might be helpful for? Does that mean the fire trucks here and you're dealing with the fire down there? Yeah, so the advantage with, with some of these, these aerial apparatus and, and the type of truck that it recommends is capable of doing this is that they have what's called a negative, negative angle. So the ladder can actually come out horizontally from the truck and can actually even angled down a little bit um, to each grain. So 
for low-grade rescues would be things like if uh, um, we had to rescue someone, say, over the riverbank, who was you know close to the edge, but over the very steep cliff, um, we could actually put the ladder over and actually uh, and, um, attach our ropes and, and harnesses and, and to raise someone up that way. Um, it's a way of positioning you know, a platform over uh, a person requiring rescue where there's no other way of positioning okay. uh, a platform over them. Now, this is probably a silly question at this point, but is the bucket equal to the platform? Or yeah. is the platform something different? So I, uh, the platform, the technical term is a platform or sometimes a tower. Um, they're actually called a tower truck, but it does refer to the platform or, you know, in simple language, a bucket on the so end. The bucket the... is the platform. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, the other uh, question, the lifespan of this new truck, whatever it might be, is it expected to be 20 years? Yeah, so as, as, a, as a frontline unit, I mean, it would be in a frontline position for the 15 years, and then we would look at moving it to second line and replacing a front line, another frontline unit. As an aerial apparatus, as a ladder, um, again, we would be looking at 20 to 25 years. Okay, thank you. The last point, um, um, basically, I, as I remember, part of our discussion was about where this thing would be housed and our questions uh, were then, well, how much does it cost to renovate anything? So I'm kind of in favor of uh, raising a door at the most, but I'm not really in favor of uh, expanding horizontally any building, uh, nor putting pavement in some place to accommodate it. But that's just my thought right now. Thank you. So it, it would accommodate in, in hall one with, with with an extension to the door height, and that is quite easily possible. And I have uh, had contractors looking into that. Thank you. Before we uh, go to Mr. Good and then Mr. Needham, uh, I'm going to ask, and then Ms. Downing, I saw your hand go up. Uh, so Mr. Town, um, refresh my memory here, but um, when we were in ICF uh, discussions with the MD of Peace, we separated out fire uh, from uh, uh, from from the ICF, and then in fire we separated out um, uh, the fire department covering off uh, uh, the the east half of the MD of Peace. But uh, the other piece that we separated out was. And I think that we got a commitment from the on the on the from them on this, uh, and that was that they would pay five percent of a fire uh, a ladder truck purchase. And maybe um, it was actually a higher percent. Okay. Um, because we weren't talking five percent, um, the number we were dealing with enough to go refer to my notes were, I believe, in the six point seven percent range. Um, the commitment, and again, this was actually discussed at their council table, I believe, um, which we've received verbally, um, was that they were in agreement with either an $83,000 or $87,000 amount on the $1.4 um, 
piece at $1.4 million um, piece of apparatus that, that we discussed. Um, okay, so. Well, and we'd I, also go after Northern Lights for some type of commitment also. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, and I, I think we, we should perhaps keep that in mind so that um, when we start talking about 1.4, uh, that there is some flexibility around that. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and one of the reasons why I kind of brought that up was um, in the recommendations, there was something about, uh, I've got it here. Um, the, um, sorry about this delay here. Um, engine, so, well, maybe I misread this, but uh, uh, so we, if we were to purchase it, and and the other uh, the the other fire, uh, our our fire clients, for lack of a better word, would uh, the we we couldn't just uh, in terms of protecting the uh, the. Uh, uh, the mechanical abilities of this particular truck, we we have to be able to send it out to to country residences, basically. And uh, would that not that be correct, there, Mr. Harris? Like, obviously, um, if they're going to kick in money, they would expect to have use of this vehicle. Yeah, and it, I think it just the, the I think the intent of the author of the report was that the truck wouldn't be going continually out to the rural areas, you know, the gravel roads, um, that kind of thing as a response, and and um, and that wouldn't be the case. I mean, it would be the case that it would be for for those. Uh, mutual aid type occurrences and it would go when needed and when requested um, mm. but it would still yeah go out to to those those fires as part of our, our, our fire service agreements with the county northern lights with the NB of peace and our mutual aid agreements with uh, northern sunrise county so then how can we actually really call it a frontline uh, truck then it is a frontline truck because uh, because it's a quint because it has a fire pump it has a water tank um, hose everything it can be you know used as a regular fire pump um, fire apparatus fire engine um, as a frontline response it's a frontline response because of its you know it's 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 a new truck so everything is uh, is is current with current standards NFPA standards um, and it can still you know. It could still go to a vehicle fire in town and, and put the vehicle fire out. Okay. The front line so the, I guess there's no restrictions in terms of sending it, uh, responding uh, with our fire clients uh, with this particular vehicle. No, I and mean, be the same it, it, as any truck is if it's going to a location that's impossible to get to due to road conditions or widths or, or height restrictions, then obviously wouldn't go, but it applies to any of our trucks. Okay, uh, I think Mr. 
in, in my uh, queue, Mr. Good is uh, is first here, and then Mr. Needham, and then Ms. Downing. Okay, I think um, first thing I want to say is <clears throat> I want to thank um, administration and Mr. Parker for, um, I mean this very sincerely, for bringing alternatives. I think that that is their job to bring us as much information as they can and to look at it from a different lens. And I appreciate the information they brought forward. And, um, having, and I'm going to say having said that because I look at their recommendations. Option one, advantages, provides for the acquisition that will meet the recommendations of the report. I like that. It meets the, meets the recommendations. Disadvantages, none. I like it when there's no disadvantages. Financial implications, none. Now, I mean, the reality is we're spending the money. So there are implications. But they're not negative because we've already approved that within our established budget. So there's no change to our established budget according to the information we have here. So to me, that's three for three. And I think probably more importantly, you know, when we send people out to fight a fire, and it doesn't say party with the fire or dance with the fire, they're not fire dancers, they're firefighters. You're sending them out to fight a fire. And I want them to come home. Talk about the risk that they took. You talk about the near misses we had, which would have been tragic for our community and tragic for our tragic for the firefighters, for their families. There are times when a, a bargain is not a bargain. And again, going back to my comments about administration bringing us alternatives. I really, really do appreciate that. And I appreciate the job they do for us in that. But I balance that to the job that I appreciate when I see our people responding to a fire like they did this weekend, heading down Shaftesbury Estates to help our neighbors fight a fire. When they go there, they don't know what they're going to run into. And you want them to, I want them to have the best they can have. So in this case, to me, it's really simple. I go by the I go by the recommendations. In option two, disadvantages does not meet the assessed needs of the community. I'm not happy with not meeting the assessed needs of the community. Option three, unknown, unknown, unknown. So I think to me, it's almost a I hate to put it this way, a no-brainer. We've already allocated the resources. It's the option that's the best resource for our people. I want our people to come home. All, all those things to me are almost, the answers in the report, the answers to me are right there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that. It's not really a question, right. but- You're just telegraphing how you're gonna vote. Well, and and you did it eloquently. Let me uh, let me just say that. Yeah. No, I, I think if you look at the report, the report says there's no disadvantages. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, yeah, like I said, you did it eloquently, and I do think that uh, while we committed 1.4 million, and this was the point I was trying to make earlier, is that's 1.4 million of our dollars. It sounds like there is potentially another. Uh, uh, 100,000 from the MDF piece 
Um, I know we, it's going to be a hard. Your Worship, we had incorporated that into the budget. Oh, you had incorporated. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we had incorporated external okay. funding. Okay. Um, from and, those partners, so that's that is part of the budget number. And uh, including the County of Northern Lights. Uh, no, well, so there was a number for Northern Lights, um, and it's hoped slash expected we'll get that, but that's also part of the the one point four million dollars. Oh, okay. That request okay. is still to be formally made, and yeah. and we'll be pushing that shortly. But certainly, um, if Mr. Harris goes out and, and finds that it's 1.5, he will come back and and talk about the need to uh, to spend an extra hundred thousand or two hundred thousand, whatever it comes. To. Yeah, um, we Should would we, never we would never exceed the authority. Right. Um, yeah. Irregardless of what the funding and how we got there looks like. Okay, uh, Mr. Needham. Uh, thanks, uh, Your Worship. I, I guess uh, <clears throat> I, I certainly appreciate the, the safety argument, uh, and the report, as mentioned, speaks for itself. But uh, you know, option one is largely Councillor Ford's motion, uh, notice of motion, uh, and option two talks about us going back uh, for an RFP to look at some other options. And I guess that's what I wanted some clarification on is. Uh, it's a lot of money. I, I'm looking for the best deal. So my question is, is on option two, what, what do you do option two? And is it not true that you could do option two and still end up at option one? Send out an RFP and you could end up at the same point at, at option one. So that, that absolutely could be um, I guess you know, where the destination is. I guess that's my rhetorical question. So any idea on the RFP or we, like what, so you order a $1.4 million ladder truck tomorrow morning if this motion passes or you wait a month and then decide what the RFP says and then order the $1.4 million ladder truck? Well, uh, I, I would, uh, I suspect from Mr. Councillor Ford's uh, point of view is that uh, he's a little concerned that administration is uh, slow walking this to the election and is going to run out the clock. And we, uh, and this debate will be renewed and, and there'll be another delay. And um, what would, would that well, I shouldn't speak for you, Councillor Ford, but is well the this this whole we've been talking about this for a long time, and it's like for me, it's like yeah, it is delay after delay. But even if you look at the uh, um, that used unit that uh, Chief Harris found, and if we wait, let's say if we it wasn't recommended in the report, but if we wait to purchase that. And then all of a sudden they they decide that they're not gonna they're not gonna or they're gonna purchase it and, and uh, then we're back to square one and right before an election. So um, yeah, I would I would like to see this done. I, I think we've talked about this a lot, and I think this is, I if memory serves me correctly, this is the first the fourth time we've talked about this since the 2020 uh, budget when we passed the 1.4. Uh, Mr. Needham, do you have a supplemental or? I, yeah, I, I guess my supplemental is I still didn't hear an answer to my question. How long would the RFP take? Is it 10 days or is it 
all the way into the next election. I, 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 I guess I'm hearing October, I guess. I'm surprised it's that long. Uh, and then my, my supplemental question would be the Chief Harris. So Tanya Bell introduced something when we built the multiplex, which I've never heard of before in my life. And it's called soft costs. And it scared the hell out of me when she brought that up. And I'm looking at a $1.4 million ladder truck. Are, are you going to tell me this thing's going to need a $300,000 radio system afterwards? Or is 1.4 the number? It seems like the radios um, uh, and a lot of the equipment on the truck is, is equipment we already have. Um, we're not putting, you know, it comes with chairs and things. We don't need to buy chairs like, the, you know, they did for the arena. Um, so the 1.4 is, is, is the truck and it is complete. Um, you know, the only other cost will be some extra training that we have to take, but that's within my regular operational training budget. Um, you know, there, there may be some small items that we'll, we'll need to put on it. Again, there's nothing in the, in the hundreds of thousands. And if he goes above 1.4, he's supposed to come back. Well, I, fair enough. Well, he shouldn't be purchasing it if it's uh, over 1.4 without, without subsequent approval. Uh, another, another advantage right now is, I mean, because all uh, our costs based, are based on the uh, American dollar, so the exchange rate. Yeah. Currently, the exchange rate is actually, you know, in a better position than it was um, back at, you know, January 2020 oh. when we oh. did look at this. So, although we are a year later, um, and, and when normally the cost would have increased in that time, right? Um, because of the the offset, yeah, that is offset by the uh, the strength of the Canadian dollar against the US dollar, that we can still get that truck um, for that that price. So. In effect, now is the time to to jump on it and, and get it bought. So, and once it's ordered, once we basically issue that purchase order, um, and that price is set, then that price doesn't change, even yeah. if there's a change in dollar rate. Currency currency edges can disappear uh, overnight. Uh, Ms. Downing, finally. <clears throat> Thank you, Your Worship, and I will try to keep this short. I definitely have been to YouTube and Google uh, University over this issue. I'm not a firefighter. I don't even know really what these look like, what the differences are. I appreciate again, um, Fire Chief Harris's uh, discussion on ladder versus platform. Although I'd like to say I did figure some of that out on myself. You know, I, I as I read this, honestly, Your Worship, I walked into the fire uh, hall up on the West Hill. I think it's number four, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but um, three and a half years ago, and was told at that time we were going to need a new fire truck. Here we are, May of 2021. We're still in the same discussion. I'm hearing the same questions again tonight that I feel like Councillor Ford has said for the last four times. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I would love to get a deal on this. Like Councillor Needham said, I would love to get a deal on this. But Councillor Needham, from the presentation um, that was made, uh, that was submitted for tonight's, it's looking like we're somewhere in the uh, three weeks to prepare, four weeks to allow for responses, three weeks to evaluate. 
we are two and a half full months before we even get to a place where we're, we're going to make a decision. Um, I, I think that we've talked about it. We've had a report done. We've met and discussed this multiple times. Um, we need to have something that works in our community. I don't want us to get a deal on a on a piece on an apparatus that can't work in this cul-de-sacs. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and so I'm 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 concerned about some of those decisions that we will make. Uh, trying to come up with with a solution that is not really a solution. Am I concerned that we'll overbuy for our community? Yeah, I am. The community of Seashell seems to be super happy with their 100 foot uh, apparatus that they bought this fall or this February. So I don't know, Your Worship, my concerns are uh, with regards to this request for decision is, are we trying to save a buck um, not by outside our scope, or are we trying to find exactly what we need for our community? And and to do that, I think we can wait. But if we're just doing that to spin out the time, I'm concerned. Yeah, I should probably call for a vote now. But uh, I want to. I, I I just uh, uh, I just want to. Um, reiterate some of my concerns around uh, risk in this community. Um, I, I don't think that, uh, Ms. Downing, that we would be over, over buying if we got a, uh, a, a aerial ladder truck uh, or tower, tower truck, I guess is the proper term now. But uh, uh, as you know, that I've, I've always been concerned about the fact that uh, we are, uh, uh, we have one of the st steepest grades uh, uh, of rail line uh, in, in, in certainly probably west, uh, east of the Rockies. Um, uh, certainly here in Alberta, uh, we, have, uh, we have hills that are ready to slide ge uh, geologically. Um, I think CN has done a very, very good job and we probably should congratulate them. But I, I think uh, uh, one of the reasons, you know, you could say that the risk is low for a, uh, a rail uh, train derailment. Uh, but we, we have all sorts of goods go through this, this community. We have limited egress. Uh, we, we need to uh, be able to respond to uh, to these kind of events, and uh, certainly Pat's Creek flood will will uh, will will look like a, a pimple on on the on an elephant's arse compared to uh, a train derailment and and uh, possible conflagrations that uh, that might happen from that. And uh, um, I think the only reason that we haven't gone through them is is it's a bit like. Uh, well, being a being an air traffic controller on on the uh, flight of an aircraft carrier, uh, that's probably one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. But uh, the reason why we you don't get a lot of uh, uh, a lot of fatalities like that is those people are on on the ball. And uh, but uh, it still happens. And uh, and I uh, 
I think that we need to be, we need to give our, our uh, volunteer fire department uh, the tools to address some of these emergencies. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm probably exactly where you are, Ms. Downing. So mm -hmm. uh, we will go from there. Um, does somebody want to make a last comment here? Mr. Ford, it sounds like you want to make a last comment here. Yeah, well, I've uh, called for a vote. Yeah, I've talked a lot about this already, but I just want to uh, reiterate on what Councillor uh, Good has spoken about. And yeah, I, I've been on the firefighting job um, for 23 years. And yeah, safety is a huge issue. And the, I totally agree with your statement. It's about these guys and gals coming home at the end of every incident. And we just got to make sure that we give them the proper tools to do their job so they can do that. So thank you for that comment, Councillor Good. Hello, uh, if you can get a 1250 gallon per, uh, per minute pump on that fire truck, I uh, very much appreciate it, Mr. Mr. Harris. But we will call for a vote. Uh, the vote that's, uh, is before us right now is um, well it was quite specific I think it was Would you like me to read my motion your worship yes please yeah so my notice of motion is to direct administration to purchase the quint aerial apparatus for for the Peace River Fire Department as recommended in the apparatus study completed by the town of Peace River um uh, would you could uh, would it be possible to have a friendly amendment that if uh, like you you're specifically saying that particular vehicle uh, if miss could we make an amendment uh, that would allow mr. Harris some flexibility in terms of um, whether he gets uh, he stays with the I don't know 1500 gallon per minute, uh, I, I don't know what it was, say it, it was a thousand gallon per minute pump and he felt that he needed to go up to uh, 1250 gallon per minute. I don't know how we would make a, 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 an amendment to give him some flexibility, but would you accept that kind of amendment if, if it were to be made? Uh, yes, I would, Your Worship, if that's what uh, Chief Harris requires. Uh, does somebody want to make that amendment, uh, uh, Mr. Scamhorn? Yeah, I think if we word the amendment of, uh, the, you know, purchase, you know, as 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 it um, as it meets the requirement of the study, uh, you know, with with potential enhancements within budget, as the chief can um, procure. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna oh, yes, Mr. Just, just uh, apologies for uh, seeing we're dealing with friendly amendments. The dollar amount perhaps should be included in that friendly amendment as well. Uh, okay, um, for one point four million. Well, that I believe that's what's established by budget. So, yeah. an is that up to one point four? Not up. one point four, but up to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Council, would option one in the uh, request for decision meet the requirements of both Councillor Ford and the recommended friendly amendments? Mr. Ford, uh, I'll leave that answer to you. 
Um, I would actually, uh, if, if it's a, a question about pump stops, does that meet, uh, does that amend, friendly amendment meet Chief, Chief Harris's needs? Yeah, the, the, um, pump, the pump was uh, was an example. I, I just okay. want to give Mr. Harris some flexibility. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, within within the budget, and you know that for the quotes that I've got, the, the things that the pump size, the the water tank size, or the other uh, requirements that we have are um, are within that budget amount. So. Um, I don't think we need to specify everything in, in the motion. Like um, option number one, that uh, motion there does uh, cover everything, in my opinion. So, um, so Mr. Ford, uh, <laughs> I uh, where 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 do you want to be? Because uh, you, uh, I I think uh, option one that administration put out there was effectively your notice of motion pretty much so yes your worship because the uh the uh the breakdown from the, the report is is pretty much listed in the in that auction one okay so uh so ms mcquaig what, what what's your recommendation here uh I'm simply trying to capture the will of council. Um, well, I, I am too. Here. <laughs> what I'm hearing is that Chief Harris feels that the specifications in the report, which are reflected in the motion, cover all of his anticipated needs and budget. Okay. And I see the chief nodding. Um, I just want to confirm that this, in fact, meets uh, Councillor Ford's intended outcomes. Yeah. Yeah, if it meets uh, if it meets Chief Harris's needs, I'm I'm fine with uh, letting my motion stand. Okay, uh, Ms. Manzer. So the other point that was brought up was that the um, possible um, need to renovate the fire hall is included within that 1.4 million, or some budget that's already decided. I believe it was stated it was within the operating. Just clarifying. So 1.4 million is the budget amount. If uh, Mr. Harris needs to go over that 1.4 for soft costs, Mr. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just. Uh, he'll have to come back. Our, our standard practice is to provide basically a limit that staff would adhere to. And then we'd use our best efforts to determine best value and and needs for the community it happens for all of our projects. So I think so, establishing the limit and right. um, so, Chief Harris will do what so, he can to fulfill those needs. So uh, uh, Mr. Ford's uh, notice of motion will stand. Uh, certainly there, um, I don't know if Ms. McQuaid can somehow capture this, but there is an understanding that uh, um, should this come back, uh, Mr. Harris does have some flexibility in, in, uh, in, in, because you were quite specific as to that's the, that's the vehicle from the study. And, uh, and but if uh, Mr. Harris uh, was to need a tweak or two, uh, we, we would, uh, um, I think it's understood that uh, 
he, he can still go ahead and make that purchase under your notice of motion. Okay, I, uh, let's uh, wrap this up uh, because I want to go to bed tonight. And <laughs> so I uh, motion, uh, uh, a vote on Mr. Ford's notice of motion. Those in favor uh, say aye. Aye. And uh, are there any contrary votes? I don't believe there are. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Your Worship Council. The, the benefit of that was that uh, we took two items from under new business, did it all in one, but uh, uh, but I'm a little concerned that we, uh, we've, well, I think it was a good discussion anyhow. Um, and uh, the item under the first item under new business, I think we can deal with quite quickly. Uh, we've had a chance to ask uh, Ms. Modi uh, questions about uh, bylaw number 2099 offsite levy bylaw, and she was just asking for first reading. So perhaps. Uh, did I do that? Yes, you can do that. I, I think I did it already. You, she oh, did, Your Worship. Yeah, your worship that, that, that has been completed. Okay, there we're ahead of the game, Mr. Mayor. Oh, good. Uh, there's a proclamation requests. Um, how many proclamation requests do we have, Ms. McLeod? We have one from Pram. This is uh, Ms. Hume's um, oh. uh, ballpark, sir. Bailey Wick, okay. We have two. Okay, uh, one, one is from Pram, which is a piece Peace Regional Air Monitoring Program. Um, um, and uh, they want to have a, a national on, they want to uh, have me sign something off here on National Clean Air Day uh, 2021. Um, okay, and I, I, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, and um, and the other one was June being Rec and Parks Month. Correct, yeah. And I think, uh, uh, I think we can accommodate, uh, she's not around, Ms. Uh, Ms. Uh, Bell on that. I, I don't think anyone would, anyone would have any objections. So uh, perhaps a motion to have the mayor uh, sign the, uh, the two, the uh, two, proclamation requests. I believe they want separate motions. Okay. Uh, so I'll make the first one there and I think Ms. Downing can make the uh, the next. Um, so, oh, it's a one motion per proclamation. Yeah, so I would like to move that uh, we proclaim National Clean Air Day June 2nd. Okay, all in favor? I don't know why there'd be any objections to that. <laughs> and uh, Ms. Downing, are you going to be the Your Worship, I'd like to move that the Town of Peace River proclaim June 2021 as Recreation and Parks Month. Okay. There again, I don't know if there, anyone would object to this, but all in favor? There isn't uh, anyone that just wants to... Uh, be a contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian. Okay, so we're, we've, we've done that, we've done that. Uh, request for decision, request for support of federal resolutions. Um, 
um, uh, is this Ms. Hume's bailiwick, the resolutions, or uh, uh, who, who, who's going to, uh, is there anyone from administration that's going to uh, talk about? What I'll, we... I'll speak to these, Your Worship. Um, so before you are some uh, resolutions, when um, uh, Member of Parliament uh, Viersen was with us a, a couple of meetings back, he had identified some um, resolutions he was seeking support for. Um, Councillor, the town has received those resolutions are, and are passing along to uh, to council to uh, give consideration to. Um, the, the two that we uh, have brought forward are the Equalization Fairness um, Bill C-263, which um, would help fix inequalities in the federal fiscal um, stabilization program. Um, that's something that uh, would be very relevant for, for Albertans in, in the region. Uh, the second uh, bill that he's soliciting support for is the Modern Slavery Act um, to enact the act and, and amend the customs tariff, um, which would include new reporting inspection, inspection and banning of goods produced by forced and slave labor. So a couple uh, resolutions there for council to consider. If um, council agrees, we will uh, write uh, and inform the federal government of our support of, of those resolutions. And then there was the oil shipping moratorium, um, which I see uh, the county, uh, Northern Sunrise County put something out on that. Um, no, sorry, three three resolutions. I thought there was two. Yeah. Yes, well, there is the oil shipping moratorium one also. Is there actually a a bill called the Modern Slavery Act? Holy Jesus! Okay. Um, yeah, personally, I don't think we should be weighing in on this, and I don't think that uh, the the oil shipping moratorium is. It, we're going to uh, defeat that. Um, but anyhow, um, let the will of council speak. So uh, someone want to make a motion on this? Mr. Good. Um, the only can, I, I have no problem with taking a look at these, but one of the things that I've learned over the years, um, with especially with federal motions, is that there's the preamble, then there's the act, and then there's usually a couple of lines in the act that make you stop and think, what am I saying yes to here? And while that may seem a little cynical, um, I would at a minimum like to have the, because I'll be honest with you, I haven't read these most, the actual motions that we're supporting. And I think if I'm going to support one, I don't expect administration to put a lot of time into this, but I wouldn't mind if they gave us a copy if they sent us copies of the act, we can read them at our leisure or read by the next meeting at a minimum. And I don't want administration to spend time on it all. We can spend that time. We can read it. We can come back with a decision at the next at the next meeting if it's within a two-week period. I just don't want to be voting to support something and find out there's some line in the middle of it that I can't that I can't live with. So I'd like to have the, the actual acts brought back for us to consider. So what you're, uh, so you're making a motion to 
not to, to direct to, administration to not to not to review the bills, but to bring the bills to us for us to consider. I believe they are hyperlinked in the document there, Mr. Good. Now, I'm not going to confess to clicking on that before tonight um, and reading it in its entirety, but they are there. So we could just hold off on this until we're sure. I'm not Oh, I see what you're saying. And, and that is one of the options and actually the recommended option that if council is agreeable, we would bring forward um, more information um, on these resolutions. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Mr. Goods, I don't know if KV is the right word, but uh, he didn't want you to spend too much time on this. So, uh, so. he did not make a motion, Your Worship, did he? No, no, no one's made one yet. No. I didn't. Do you want to make the motion? <laughs> Your Worship, I. I'm not comfortable with this situation. I'm not interested in making a decision on partisan politics. Um, the bipartisan politics, I think I can, because as a municipal council, we haven't run on a platform of a political party. We've run on a platform of community, uh, community work. So I'm not comfortable with this whole situation at all. Um, and I would be happy to make motion that the council receives these resolutions for information okay so we'll we'll make that the uh the the, the motion to to uh because this may it looks like it will generate some discussion uh that'll be the motion there uh, is there is a bipartisan uh proclamation or or, or letter that that is involved and we can look at that later um you know, but but there's 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 some that are a little bit more, I guess you would say, one side or the other. Okay, uh, Mr. Needham. I, I was just going to add that I I I like the idea of accepting it as information, but I would also point out to my colleagues: there's nothing to stop any one of us as individuals to writing and stating your opinion. So I'm I'm quite comfortable accepting this as information. If you feel strongly about a slavery piece of legislation, uh, put pen to paper and and uh, write, write your letter. Because I thought we abolished slavery in 1854 or something like that, as when we were part of the British Empire. Uh, well, unfortunately, not every corner of the world is quite as green as rosy as we are here. So that 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 is that is a a fact of life that we you know we just have to contend with being you know being on on this on this earth unfortunately but yeah mr mr needham's comments are well received anyone anyone listening any one of us are welcome to write as they see fit okay um um ms Mazur, did you have your hand up I did. I just concur with uh, not having administration spend 30 to 40 hours a full week or more on this particular topic. I think there's more things like fire trucks, apparently, <laughs> spend time on. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't think Chief Harris will be uh, writing these letters of support. Um, uh, so we have a motion in front of us. Uh, the motion is to accept the uh, the um, what was your motion? Except the uh, 
to receive these resolutions for information. For information. Uh, I'm going to call for, oh, do you want to make a comment? Or You're already voting. Okay, all in favor? Okay, done. Boy, I, that's good. I was, I was getting concerned that that was going to be a debate item. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, wastewater treatment plant secondary clarifier project funding. So good evening again, your worship and council. Um, at its May 10th meeting, the last meeting the council had, um, council approved the wastewater treatment plant secondary clarifier project and the two motions um, are there. Again, the, the uh, project amount um, and the, to come back with financial options on how to fund the project. Um, the RFD that went with the, the approval of the project is also attached and Director McQuaig had discussed it then and he'll be able to discuss it now if there's any uh, further questions. But this is the funding discussion that we need to have on, on this project. Um, so as have been discussed at the time and um, again discussed now or showing now, um, there's fairly limited financial options to immediately fund this project. Um, we did reach out to um, uh, Mr. Veerson and did they come up as, could the federal government do anything about funding? Um, he was unable to source anything immediately for us and referenced us back to the federal gas tax program, which um, we receive a finite amount of money for and we have already allocated for our 2021 budget. So. Uh, reintroducing or, or being able to utilize more wasn't um, an immediate option for us um, as we were looking for new funding, not existing funding streams. Um, and he wasn't able, or his office wasn't able to, um, to uh, clearly identify any other additional options that we could consider. Staff did go back and look at the funding options for this. Um, and we did identify that we do have some MSI money and federal gas tax monies that we can bring in to help fund this. Um, basically, those are available because they're just leftover amounts from, from prior years. Um, for example, if we um, had a, a project and we funded 200,000 from MSI, maybe we only use 150,000, so that money would just um, be available. So we're reintroducing um, the utilization of those funds, both on the MSI and the gas tax. Um, and we have about $450,000 available um, of those monies to use, um, but then the balance of the funding would be incurred through debentures. Um, so this carries on from our, our auditor's discussion earlier in terms of um, how do we deal with this. And I know there's been discussions lately on the financial condition of the town. I, I will just say, I didn't interrupt earlier. I think our financial situation is similar to what it's been the last two or three years. Um, you know, our revenues and, and expenses are the same. Our ability to generate uh, grant funding hasn't necessarily changed. Um, it just seems there's a couple urgent or emergency type projects that have um, been a bit of a flag for us, and, and this is one of them. This is a project that we did not include in our capital budget. It came up as an emergency project. 
Um, and now we have to deal with the funding for this. Um, so the funding option that staff are presenting is to use the gas tax MSI money and debt as the balance. I will remind council that this is a water and sewer fund expenditure. So it'll be a utility rate or an impact on, on utility rates, not tax rates. Um, and if we debenture over 10 years, the annual debt costs are just under 162,000 as an estimate right now. To fund that, we would need a 24.2 or 24 cent increase on existing water rates to cover that expense. Um, what this really does is this kind of commits the town of having a minimum increase of 24 cents on our utility rate next year. That does not include um, operating cost increases. And again, um, there will be those, whether it's utilities, inflation, um, wage costs, et cetera. Um, and it may constrain our other capital projects um, on the wood, water and sewer side for, for the 22 uh, fiscal year. And this will be discussed with the um, uh, incoming council as we go through the capital program in um, this upcoming fall and during budget deliberations. Um, debt capacity is an issue as the auditor mentioned, we are at about the two thirds number. Um, by introducing this, this would take us up to a 66.4%. Um, and with any luck, even though these projects seem to happen, um, pop up a little bit more often, you know, hopefully they won't, but um, our debt capacity should decrease over the, the next couple of years based on our capital improvement plan, which shows funding of about $5 million worth of debt over the five-year window um, plus the 1.36 million for this project here. Um, we do have some significant water and sewer debt falling off the books later in the decade. So I believe that does start in either 2026 or 2027. Um, so there will be some additional um, room in the future as the debt falls off. And um, if I did that chart on page two as a, a 10 year horizon, um, you'd see that our, our debt ratio would shoot down, but of course we're gonna have to borrow more for upcoming projects. So in this case, flat is good. Um, this is still fairly flat um, based on current and, and hopeful uh, projections as we, uh, as we uh, deal with uh, these capital projects and the funding relating to them. So there are a couple options for council to um, you uh, consider as part of this uh, report. Uh, option one is to um, utilize the funding identified. So 300,000 from our MSI program, 150 federal gas tax monies and the balance of 1.36 million from long-term debt. Um, as I mentioned, this will basically commit these costs and these debt servicing costs onto 2022 uh, utility rates. Um, Option two, which is the vague or can't even say vanilla um, unknown. So council amends the upgrades to something different um, and those advantages and disadvantages are uncertain. Um, option three is council declines to fund the project. Um, 
little difficult to do as this is an emergency uh, type repair that the engineer is, is advising. Um, and in doing so would probably incur a significant operating cost to uh, deal with the situation situation at the water or sorry, sewer plant. So, so I'll be able to take any questions on those and Director McQuaid could answer any right. technical questions if there's any. Right. I, I don't know if Mr. Needham wants to weigh in right here on the utility <laughs> utility charge increase. <laughs> Uh, then, then again, maybe he isn't going to run next next time, and uh, <laughs> it's not going to be his problem. Um, so, Mr. Town, uh, and and I guess Mr. McQuig, um, MSI monies is really where you're going to uh, to try and finance this particular project. Um, is this going to then affect how we finance the neighborhood renewal programs? No, this is, these are unused MSI monies over the last couple of years. Oh. Um, so again, as I mentioned, <laughs> yeah, um, as we fund projects, you know, if we say we're going to spend so much MSI, but actually spend a bit less, like we would not exceed, but sometimes we spend less uh, money is just um, available. And when we did a, a quick reconciliation and review of our, our MSI monies available, um, we were able to find some from previous years that we're able to bring in to, to assist funding this project. So okay. between MSI and gas tax monies, it is about a quarter of the funding um, and it will not impact um, future years um, MSI utilization, even though I will remind council that MSI funding is being decreased um, starting next year. We, we have baked in some monies to moderate that a bit in year one and two, so 2022, 2023. Um, but then we will have to deal with pretty well a 50% reduction, even though the province says there will hopefully be changes to the program or a new program. Um, if that doesn't happen, the MSI money that we'll receive um, in 2023 and beyond will be almost half of what we're getting now. And if electrical vehicles go forward, uh, the gas tax money won't go down. <laughs> Which is maybe why they raised it a little bit for us. We can do the franchise fee to make up for it, Mr. Mayor. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think, uh, we, we tried that one already and people weren't I keen on. <laughs> I haven't given up on our dream. <laughs> Okay, uh, there's lots of hands up around the table here, Ms. Downey. Thank you, Your Worship. Uh, I, I look at this and I'm not gonna lie, I was a little glum. Uh, it is an obvious reflection of some of our infrastructure that's needed to be replaced. We've known this is happening again, three and a half years ago when I toured the the, the the water treatment there or the clarifying plant that this was discussed at that time. Really? So we've known it has it was it not, Mr. McQuaig? Did we not say this has mm -hmm. some future problems? I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, we did have some discussions just around the life cycle of the various plants and just the amount of investment that we have to maintain in those plants to keep them working. Yeah, Your Worship. So I looked at this and thought this is life cycle 
uh, a situation. It's it's unfortunate, the timing. Um, it would have been ideal if we could have stretched it out a few more years, but I don't believe that there's anything that we can do than accept this sour pill. Thank you, Your Worship. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't here um, last meeting, Mr. McQuig, but uh, we have a, uh, on the aeration tanks, we have a project to basically do mud jacking is, is how I think of it. Maybe it isn't that, but to- Well, on the clarifier tank, Your Worship, yes. But was, um, but the aeration tanks, we've had a project on the books for four or five years to, um, and I think it was the leveling of the aeration tanks. Is this part and parcel of the same problem? Uh, uh, well, I think in the aeration tank, we don't have the same issues we do, do in the clarifier tank because with the clarifier tank as it being canted on one side, it binds up that, that skimmer arm and the rake arm that goes on the bottom, right? Okay. Whereas the aeration tank, if it's out, out of whack a little bit, it's, it's not right. okay. as large of an issue. Right. Uh, so the, the project this year for the aeration tank is to get the, the aeration tanks cleaned out and replace replace a lot of the aerators that are in there that the uh, have failed. So that's that piece of the project. And so, then and we and uh, I don't mean I didn't want to break your train of thought here Ms. Yep. McQueen, but uh, um, so uh, is deferring the aeration tanks to try and deal with this problem? Well, no, it's because uh, we've been having issues with our aeration tank and, and you know, just uh, right now we've had to kind of bubble in some additional lines in places just to get that aeration uh, process uh, maintained through the tank. Uh, so it, it needs to be done. Okay. Uh, and on the, the secondary clarifier, so I think that the, from a high level perspective, the thing to keep in mind here is yes, we're spending 1.81 million but in doing so, uh, between the two projects, and having re replaced the rotary press recently, now we've got uh, some good uh, conditions to extend the whole plant to 15, for another 15 years before we have to start looking at wholesale replacement. Okay. Um, was consideration given, I, I know that we've, uh, but uh, we had some problems with bearings on the uh, uh, on the hydro uh, on the uh, the blower mowers. Uh, no, uh, the bearings on the uh, center feed feed well yep. of this this clarifier, and, uh, and and that's why we're looking at replacing the whole center works uh, okay. and doing that at the same time. Okay, so so that's part of the project. Yep. But uh, when we uh, when we had that problem, we didn't. Uh, we uh, got permission to go go to the river after the aeration basin, um, yeah. and that would have obviated the need for a temporary uh, wastewater uh, clarifier. Yeah, uh, and there again, I think you know, environment looks at that as a last resort type of effort, uh, and. You know, yourself working down at Mercer, I think the last thing you want to do is have uh, additional algae blooms uh, drifting down towards you downstream. So, I think well, 
you, you, it's a big river, so I, I, yeah. I can assure you there won't be algae blooms shifting down the <laughs> down down the river. Um, um, people may worry worry about the pollen that uh, that settles on the, on the yeah. surface of the river, but um, uh, yeah, that may be a last. Um, it's not something that Alberta Environment is keen to do. Sort of uh, the, uh, uh, but but we certainly want to control costs, and uh, I I uh, I think that we should um, before we uh, um, spend all this money. I, I I really think that we should try and pursue that effort to, uh, so we can uh, minimize uh, some of the costs like clarifier rentals, so on and so forth. Well, we've already uh, gone forth and rented that clarifier, Your Worship. Oh, okay. So it's already on site and we're just in the process of uh, doing, uh, or getting the uh, temporary pumps in place to pump it into the secondary clarifier. So that's, you know, in the terms of, terms of thing, it's that is a fair, uh, generally a small cost compared well, to the renting it is a small cost, but the, I see yeah. the installation costs are $205,000. That's, and, and uh, that's a big chunk of, of, uh, of the numbers you're asking for, but uh, well, I, I, I'll leave it up to you, but I, I do think that we, sh we as, an, as, as, a, as a corporate entity should be asking for some relief, uh, so, and a variance, I guess, on, uh, on our discharge allowance, and perhaps uh, obviate the need for some of these costs. But it sounds like you've already uh, sunk some of these costs in. So, okay, Mr. Good. Yeah, it's a totally off topic and I apologize for this. I just got some notes. I just have to leave for a, a family situation. I apologize. Uh, have a good evening, everybody. Okay, um, hopefully things things will be fine. It should be fine. Take care. Thanks. Okay, so, um, so, what, um, who's making the recommendation here and what is the recommendation? The recommendation is council proceeds to approve of a capital project to repair and modernize the wastewater treatment plant secondary clarifier with a budget of 1.8 million. I could buy a fire truck for that. That was the recommendation to approve <laughs> the project. Your Worship, we're dealing with the funding aspect of it. Okay. Which is page three of the report. Are the options for council? Okay. Uh, your Your Worship, I could, okay. I, I could do a, a motion if you okay. will, but uh, just uh, let me read the motion out. I would suggest that council approve funding for the wastewater treatment plant secondary clarifier upgrade project using 300,000 from the Municipal Sustainability Initiative Fund, 150,000 from the Federal Gas Tax Fund and 1.360 million from all, uh, as long-term debt. Okay. I just, uh, 
Yeah, so hopefully uh, that's the motion as uh, presented. Just uh, your worship, before we vote, uh, just clarification. Has there been, I think our tradition has been to sort of bring the local MLA into these discussions. And uh, I, I know we're naming some funds here, but Jim, is there any potential or, or do we just ask the question? Maybe there's some emergency fund out there somewhere. Uh, I guess I guess the short answer is, or the short question is, have we made the MLA aware of this? Uh, well, it's it's an emerging emergency for the municipality and we are, we are one of its bigger customers. So I guess the question is, have we made our elected member uh, aware of this issue and the cost? So in terms of the, the cost, uh, I would have to con confirm that with CAO Parker uh, on that one, but uh, you know, we can definitely uh, redouble our efforts in that, that affair. All right, fair, fair enough. Again, just, I, I guess, just kind of, I know staff do a good job on this, but it it, it doesn't hurt to, uh, again, uh, maybe that's the role of elected officials, but I think we should reach out to Mr. Williams and yeah. point these things out to him, uh, give him something to talk about besides COVID. Uh, I believe my motion is uh, uh, is written in the briefing note, Your Worship. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's good uh, for everyone. Ms. McQuig had her hand uh, Hand up, I think she going to uh, just a, a, a note to uh, a supplement to Councillor Needham's comment. We have reached out to the province, not to the um, MLA, but to transportation with regard to the AMWIP grant, which is the same grant program that we secured funding for the new reservoir for the project. Um, until we get the engineering report back, we're not sure of the eligibility. However, uh, it would, if eligible, which we're still not certain, it would be a category two. For a category two project, we can proceed with contracts and work prior to getting funding. So we're going to continue to pursue that. But until we get the actual engineering on it, um, we're not sure where it's going to fit into their programs. Great, and I just, if I may, Your Worship, thanks for staff's effort in doing that. I mean, anything we can do to reduce that long-term debt uh, makes us look like heroes. So keep up, keep up the good work. Okay, um, uh, Ms. Manser, do you want to make a comment? Um, just a, a comment that if it extends the basically the life cycle of most of the water treatment plant for 15 years, I think that's a a very uh, important uh, part of this discussion, even if the utility rates for the users have to go up. Yeah, maybe we can pass that along to the county of Northern Lights. Uh, <laughs> all in favor of Mr. Dean's motion. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a, uh, yeah, I don't even know why we put that to a vote. It's kind of, you've got to do it. Um, so there is, um, looking at the agenda, we, uh, oh, uh, so we're now at the annual financial statement. Um, and I think here, I, I just need a motion to accept the uh, annual financial statement as presented by MNP. 
Uh, certainly, we already had Mr. Town. So they had a 20 minute uh, talk all lined up for this one. Oh, well, please go ahead. Okay. Um, just let me uh, pull up my file here. Uh, please uh, approve the statements. It'll be appreciated okay. if you do so. Because you feel that they are fair and, uh, and just. They material, materially represent the financial position of the town at the end of the year. Hey, uh, I'm going to just uh, do you, and uh, you're making that motion, right, Mr. Ford? Is that, that is correct? Have? Okay. I don't need to ask for questions or comments, do I? Okay, I will call for a vote. All in favor of uh, approving the financial records. Done. And we had a request for a letter. I think I can manage this one by myself. So uh, Friends of the Shepherd Society. So this is really a good shepherd school. Uh, they want to uh, uh, do a playground expansion. Uh, they're putting in, uh, they're putting in uh, some number, a number of grant applications and they are, uh, well, their line is, we are hopeful you'd be willing to prepare a letter in support of our project, which could be included as part of our grant uh, application. Uh, we are hoping to receive letters, which will let the donors know how the community members who use this play playground may benefit and how this playground will be a welcome addition to our community and you do not need to be baptized in the Catholic Church to use this playground. I, that was my addition. <laughs> so uh, to get buried there, you do. <laughs> pardon me? To get, if I get buried there, you do. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, hopefully you're not burying people on a school playground. <laughs> um, but if we run out of uh, space on on Pleasant Hill or whatever we call it, uh, uh, because our uh, costs are not high enough to restrict access, we would uh, that may become the, the norm. So, who wants to make a letter to have administration draw for the mayor a uh, uh, for the mayor's signature a letter of support for the uh, the Shepherd Society's uh, playground expansion. Ms. Downing, I'm looking at you. Oh, Mr. scamor has got one up. Okay, uh, you're making that motion, is that right? Yeah, I'll move that to administration, prepare a letter of support okay. for the uh, the um, playground expansion. Good Shepherd School uh, program. What do they call themselves? I'm not. It, this is Friends of the Shepherd Society. So. Friends of the Shepherd Society, thank you very much. So uh, all in favor? Okay. Um, uh, we have uh, three reports, North Peace Housing Foundation. Uh, they're all uh, North Peace Housing Foundation board minutes, March 3rd, March 31st, May 5th. Uh, anything that needs to be underscored there, Mr. Scamhorn, seeing that you're a rep on that. Sure. So the biggest things we have going on right now is uh, the continued work towards getting the Deller Lodge in Manning. Um, expansion happening there's weekly meetings going on now um uh, you know towards that end um we have sold three properties three of our nominal sum properties uh, which we were given possession of from the province 
um, sale from those properties, the proceeds of which have to go, of course, towards community housing. I believe I get to mention this uh, almost every, almost every uh, time one of these one of these reports comes up for me to say. But that's been going well. There is still more available for those uh, budget-minded investors in in a few places around still yet to sell. Um, we are still not progressing too far on the condo project for the West Hill. Um, I believe last meeting we are looking at getting a, um, a project manager lined up to begin that, however. So that's something that can kind of start moving. Movement on that and some of the other things just was a little bit put on hold, you know, for this last year. But, you know, we as a as a foundation have come out of the pandemic situation quite well. Um, and it was managed very expertly and our vaccination rates are very good. And, and um, yeah, we were able to keep our, our residents uh, taken well taken care of through that. So that's kind of the biggest thing that's going on. Uh, we've got a few other positions that we've hired an HR director. Um, you know, we, you know, for being the size of organization we are and the amount of staff that we employ, it's, um, our current executive director was doing a lot of the HR duties because that's kind of her previous uh, position there. So uh, those duties just just went beyond the amount of time that she had to commit to the to that. So um, we've hired there, and we've hired um, at a couple of our lodges some directors at those lodges as well in Fairview and and stuff. So we, uh, yeah, more things keep happening and uh, things are turning in the right direction. Our next move as well to kind of tie off that uh, Autumn Lodge property, um, which everyone thinks is in Berwyn, but technically the property is actually in the MD um, of Peace. And so we are just getting things lined up to put that property um for sale or, or however that looks. It's it's quite a large piece of land. And if you were divided up into the original number of lots that it that it was comprised of, it's 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 quite a number of them. So uh, we're looking into uh, the best path forward for that, whether that's something that, that those parcels are sold off individually or if it's the entire tract of land that we that we deal with and that's where it's at. I can take questions if anyone has any. Um, feel free to uh, well, I just uh, just as a as a sidebar sidebar so you could remind the North Peace Housing Board members that offsite levy fees are now eight percent lower. So get on with that condo development. So. I will pass that along. Thank you. <laughs> the uh, you just quickly, uh, Councillor Scammer, you characterized the Dell Air project. I think I heard you say expansion. Is is it? I, I thought it, it was a retrofit to take. Am I? Did I? Am we I? Are, we are both correct, sir. So um, the idea is that there will be uh, retrofitting of the current building, as well as uh, um, another. Um, you could have a higher new, level of care. Yes, yeah, another new build section. Uh, right now, there's just uh, a. Oh, I have one more thing to mention that you've reminded me as far as retrofitting goes. Thank you. Um, so yeah, a lot of what will happen there is retrofitting in the current structure, but there is another additional new structure that is going to, to happen as well. That will actually be multi-story. Uh, 
Um, one more thing to add on, we are also redoing the air handling system in Heritage Towers. That is uh, under an emergency situation that, that needs to get dealt with very quickly. Um, things are okay, but it's just they're just not okay as they are for long term. And so we've uh, got an engineering group coming in to check that out, which is going to be quite an interesting situation to change because, well, one doesn't just, you know, walk out the door with the furnace kind of idea, right? So, um, but uh, given that Heritage Towers is actually uh, owned by the province and we run it for them, um, those capital costs are manageable. Yeah, okay. Um, so a motion to accept the, uh, the, uh, the three reports for information. Um, Ms. Manzer, she had her hand up first there, Mr. Needham, but we, we can get your uh, name on the, uh, the agenda uh, under information. So all in favor of Deputy Mayor's motion. Uh, so uh, under information, there is a request, not from the town of high level. <laughs> Ms. McQuaig, I had to go, high level, proposed coal policy. I didn't know they had a coal deposit in, uh, in high level. It's actually high river. Um, they don't have a coal deposit there either, Mr. Mayor. Don't they? They're just downstream of one, which is their concern. Okay. Oh, they. so they're not for the... Uh, the development of no this this letter is in opposition to it their concern is um with um the yeah, impact to the watershed thanks yeah well that high river is supposed to be quite uh, quite a nice river so um um i'm assuming nobody wants to uh, wade in on the coal debate down south so I would suspect Hinton and Grand Cash would write similar letter, exactly the opposite, but. Uh... And then we also have a letter from the Peace Regional Waste Managing Company regarding increase in waste disposal fees. Jeez, we better ask our three, <laughs> our three reps on the, on the Waste Management Committee, how they can, how they can burden us with another cost. <laughs> Well, this, I'm not sure if you're serious. Uh, this could be a 30 second discussion or a 30 hour discussion, I guess. But I think uh, just for all the YouTube groups that are listening, uh, you know, the loss of oil field revenue has provided a huge, huge subsidy over the years. And uh, uh, it's no surprise to anybody in the last two years what's happened to the oil patch, hence the revenues have fallen over fallen over, fallen down. Uh, and of course, uh, it's taken some time for the Part 9 company to uh, track those lost revenues and the the deficits starting to pile up. So there's some red ink. Um, I think the upshot for this conversation really is from the average person in Peace River. So what, what, what does this mean? Well, what it means is if you think back five years on your utility bill it was $15 for your uh, residential waste services we bumped it up to $17 and that was when the recycling component was was added so I think the message to residents in the next budget cycle 
you're going to see a movement on that $17. So nothing to panic about today. Uh, it will be a cost that'll show up next year along with a utility cost increase in, in on your water or your garbage. And uh, for years, we've had the benefit of, of some pretty low rates. So those those days are behind us, but uh, nothing, nothing uh, too alarming. Uh, the rate increase also applies to commercial users as well as not there there are municipalities that obviously use that facility, but there are also commercial users. So they, they too will have an increase and they've been given hopefully adequate notice that they can adjust their business model as well. So uh, it, is, uh, it is significant, but I, again, I think it's just a reality that uh, uh, costs have, if they've been covered by revenues from the oil field and they're, they're not there anymore. So this is the new, this is, a, this is the new business. So um, I would just, in terms of accepting for information, I think this is just a, an information item for the time being, your worship. Yeah. Okay, uh, perhaps, do we? Yeah, we still have quorum. Um, so perhaps uh, just a, uh, a uh, a quick motion to accept the uh, two information items for information. <laughs> Mr. Needham, all in favor? Um, uh, I understand Mr. Town, you're the acting CAO right now. Uh, I take it there's no notices of motion. Uh, that is correct, Your Worship. Um, are there any comments from the public? Uh, either uh, direct that question both to Ms. McQuaig and to uh, Ms. Hume. No, is the answer I'm getting. Uh, key communication items. So Ms. Hume, uh, is there anything in this meeting that piqued your interest or? <laughs> Absolutely. Um... So the items I've got will be doing our regular stuff with the audited financial statements. We've got to make those publicly available once we have signed copies and all that good stuff. So that'll be in the next few weeks. Um, the offsite levies, obviously Alicia spoke a bit about what we'll be doing with regards to that. We'll be reaching out to known developers in the area um, directly. We'll also have um, an open house available um, for residents. However, excuse me. However, our focus will be on the direct reach out um proclamations last week we recognized public works week this week is rural Healthcare week um so we've got some great content from that that we'll be sharing uh we also have seniors week coming up the first week of june and i will be adding the two proclamations approved this evening to our list um the clarifier we had some info go out last week about the initial funding approval uh through the council highlights however we're going to follow up on that with the confirmation of the funding sources from tonight i think the good shepherd letter of support warrants um a mention as well it's potentially a good happy news thing for people and uh just a general not council specific ongoing item is our walk to win program um we've had huge uptake with this. We're encouraging people to walk and explore the town um, and do so safely and hopefully win some prizes. As of now, um, participants have walked 6,300-ish kilometers, um, which is approximately from here to Belize. So 
the program wraps up on the 31st, we'll be doing um, one more draw for our weekly prizes next Tuesday, and then we'll be um, announcing the grand prize winner next Friday. So those are the items I have. I don't know if council, oh, and uh, the uh, aerial apparatus. Um, we'll yeah, seeing that we spent money on that, we should probably make a comment. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I've been adding my notes in a weird way. And yep, that one is definitely on the list there. And um, probably we should add when you make that comment about the, uh, the increased um, capacity from a safety point of view that, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, Chief Harris talked about extending the ladder over the river and, um, there were a number of items that should uh, um, should address uh, should uh, make operations that much safer for our our firefighting crews, etc., um, etc. Et Maybe yeah. safer for the firefighters, safer for the residents. Yeah. Your, uh, your worship. Need them? Yeah, sir. Yeah, uh, just uh, perhaps uh, a coordinator can get me up to speed. The, the other issue outside of our wheels is damn Alberta transportation drives me crazy. Am, am I, is, is there been, like we've got one access downtown and I'm, is there been any public releases, Autumn, can you speak to that um, in terms of time frame and, or what are they doing or am I just missing them? Um, we announced that last week. So we did publish a notice on our website and on social media. Um, so shortly we, after. We, we've been doing that? Yeah. Okay, um, good. I, I missed it then. Yeah, that closure was announced because um, I, I have the negative comments to, to prove that. Um, the information I got from them indicates they want to reopen on the 1st of June. So. Yeah. Okay, no, I, I, I didn't, I was looking for something from Alberta Transportation and I. Oh no, they don't. They don't yeah. do that. They, they don't. They don't communicate. All right, we got. No, that. we'll put it up um, on five on one. But uh, I've been pretty emphatic with them that uh, they need to let us know and to make use of us, you know, and our resources through autumn to get uh, the messaging out to our residents and the public. The only local platform they really have is 511. They don't maintain any kind of a social presence um, that would be useful for announcing any of this information. And they don't have any local communications people. So we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with these situations where either we could choose not to communicate the information um, because it's not our project, but then no useful information would be shared with the residents, which I think would create greater heartache in the community. I, I didn't realize in, in your comment, Jim, I think makes sense if there, we can help get the message out there because it's, uh, I, I've got a few inquiries, but I, I uh, that, that's, that's good, thank you. Yeah, like the, the Core Bridge team, I think they've got, they've got that pretty straight right now. Uh, yeah. The team that is doing the bridge rehab on the old bridge are fairly new. So they're just getting used to uh, this communication uh, vehicle uh, to come to us so we can get that communication out. Uh, but we will hammer that in hard with them as well, as well as the ones that are working on the 
pile wall uh, just below the DMI townhouses. You know, we've been pretty active with, with them and you know, we're starting to get that information to us so that way we can relate it on our social media channels. Thanks, thanks. Mr. Needham, if you were more of a Facebooker, you'd realize where this information is. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm, I'm just breaking into Instagram and, and Snapchat and TikTok, but I'll, I'll get around to Facebook next week. Okay. Um, I have the minutes of the regular council meeting for May 10th. Um, uh, so, uh, Ms. McQuaig, do you want Elaine Manzer to sign this, or can I go T-Tarpy for Elaine Manzer? Uh, I will uh, amend that, sir. I will reprint it for the deputy mayor and get that to her. My apologies. Uh, well, you, you have her name on here. That's, that's why I asked her. Oh, uh, please set it aside. Okay. <laughs> I was collecting things for you. Yeah, and I'm not going to uh, sign off the Peace Regional Municipal Detachment multi-year financial plan until I actually read it. Because I see there's a note here that, uh, that Mr. Parker is asking me to please read this carefully before signing and reach out if you have any concerns. So I should probably give this to Mr. Needham. He's, uh, He's our uh, RCMP uh, watchdog when it comes to the pecuniary side of the business. Is, is this is, is this the plan that includes uh, man, FTEs and and equipment as well as equipment and building e equipment? I haven't read it, but I would imagine so. Yeah. Um, I think they're asking for a. Uh, one, one additional municipal employee. Uh, cost is sixty thousand dollars. They are adding, looking, and that would be twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three. And uh, um, the effect, the effective date of this is twenty twenty two. Then. Um, you know what, I, I am actually, I'll scan this at work and I will send this to you, Mr. Needham and- uh, Yeah, I'll read it. Uh, arrange to do that before you depart this evening, sir. I have to come up for your uh, photograph for the clean air folks. Yeah. Okay, very good. Um, and I think we could probably ask for an adjournment. Can we not or uh, did I miss an agenda item? I think we're, uh, well, we're supposed to ask for comments from the public. I take it there was only one viewer tonight. Uh, and uh, as usual, I, I suspect they, uh, uh, they weren't making any comments. Um, you and, did call for comments, sir. Okay. Um, there were viewers at one point, but by the later in the evening, it had dropped one. Right, maybe they're early risers. Um, key communication items, we discussed that, and there's nothing under uh, in-camera or as it's now called closed session. So I will ask for a motion to adjourn. Um, who hasn't got their name on the list? Johanna Downing. I'll motion to adjourn your worship. 
although you you had your fair share of motions i did i didn't see mr ford's hand go up so i was a little confused your worship yeah i think he was Ford is still, recorded under the fire truck yeah he's, <laughs> he's focused on his notice of motion so uh all in favor 